This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Once you get your Bible, go with me to the 127th Psalm is where we're going to begin today. Now, as you're turning there to Psalm 127, I'm going to give you a verse that you maybe want to write this down. This is 2 Samuel 22, verse 31. It specifically says, As for God, His way is perfect, and His word is proven. And just think about what we just said there. As for God, His way is perfect, and His word is proven. So, you know what this tells me here? Father God knows best. And he's the creator and I'm the creation. So if I desire to live by the word of God, which I believe every one of us in here need to come to that place, then I have to have this thought. God's ways are perfect and his word is proven. So we're going to to raise the bar, the standard today, just where you see the truth. And we're going to talk about discipline and the, the, the instruction it is for parents. I'm not a parent with children in my home anymore, okay? And there's many of you in here today that are that way. But I ask of all you that are grandparents or empty nesters. Now, please cheer us on today, okay? What we're going to teach. Because in the natural, there's no need for me to teach on this. Except, I want to help the younger generations understand biblically what the Word of God says for this, okay? So, with that said, get your word glasses on with me, all right? Let the Word of God teach us today. Psalm 127, verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Now the word vain there means useless. So if God's not involved in building your home, then it's going to be useless. In the book of Joshua 24, verse 15, it says this about Joshua. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Something happens when we begin to elevate the bar and the father in the house says, okay, I'm going to set the tone. Same chapter, verse number three. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. Children are a gift from the Lord. One translation says they are God's precious gift. And the last part of that says, and the fruit, of the, room, the fruit of the womb is a reward. The message says it's his general legacy, his generous legacy. So we begin to see this with children, that they're a gift from the Lord. So when you think about your children, do you view your children as assets or do you view them as liabilities? See, oftentimes if we're not careful, we view our children as an inconvenience. But that's not what God said. God said they are a legacy. They are a gift. Now to help us a little bit with more than that, in Psalm 139 it says that God wonderfully and fearfully and skillfully created every one of us. If you're here today, that's you. God wonderfully, fearfully, and skillfully created you. In other words, God don't make no junk. And you're not an uh uh-oh. That God had plans for you. It specifically says in Psalm 139 that he wrote a book about you. And in Jeremiah 1.5 he said this, 
I knew you before you were ever in your mother's womb. I knew you. God had plans for you. You were alive and kicking before you even hit this earth. That's how big and important you are to Father God. So when saying that, that's how we got to view our children. Actually, that's how we got to view each other. Man, I'm glad God wonderfully and fearfully and skillfully created you. And his thoughts toward you are that of good and not evil. That God has a thought for you and a plan for you. Now watch how he raises the bar next. Verse 4. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Now just think about this. In the, the hands of a warrior is this arrow. And in order to shoot an arrow and be accurate with it, that doesn't happen overnight. It, it occurs by discipline and repetition over and over and over again. How many of you, is there anyone in here who's a skilled archer? There's a couple hands going up. So what would happen right here if we walked in here and we put a bullseye right over here on this wall and we gave everyone one shot at it. That would be a recipe for disaster, wouldn't it? I mean, we'd have them going out the window. We're going, but the one who knows how to do that, who's been trained in that, he would have an opportunity of hitting the bullseye because he's disciplined himself and he's repetitious through going over and over again. Now, look what he ends in verse 4 and he says, Wow, my page turned. There it is. So are the children of one's youth. So he likens an arrow to our children. And we are told here, guys, we are to to teach our children. We are to develop their personality, their wisdom, and even the direction of their life by, by instructing them. So as an arrow goes where it's pointed or aimed... That's the same with the child. That when we train them up in the things of God, they will go into the direction of which you shoot them at. So what becomes the target? Again, i got to train them up in the things of God. It'll follow that course precisely. Where are the angel, or where are your children being pointed at right now? Now in Psalms 22 verse 6 it says, Train up your children in the way they should go, and when they're old, they'll not depart. The training is in, is in love, it's in wisdom, it's nurture, and it's also in disciplining them. Now, here for the next few minutes, I'm going to do something that I don't normally do. I'm going to give you a multitude of scripture, all in the book of Proverbs. So turn with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter 10. And we're going to look at this over and over here, just for a few minutes. So get your fingers ready or your pen ready to write and watch, watch some of the teaching here. As you're turning to Proverbs 10, how many of you ever said this or thought this? I sure wish God would have put in the Bible what I'm supposed to do as a parent. I sure wish God would have put in the Bible on how I'm to, to teach my children. Well, a lot of times when our children are born, we think when they come out, they're going to have an owner's manual tied around their neck. They do. 
right here. Now here's the thought again, and you're going to hear me reference this over and over. God's ways are perfect and His Word is proven. Even in the area of raising up our children. And so let me tell you this, even as getting to be a little older now in my life, the Bible is very clear, don't add to the Word or don't take away from it. The Word is still relevant in the time we live. Proverbs 10, verse 1. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is the grief of his mother. Wise, glad, foolish, grief. The only difference I can find between the wise and the foolish is ones that have been taught the Word of God and ones that heed the Word of God. So again, they're either going to be wise or they're going to be foolish. Proverbs 13. Verse number 1. Now, if I go too fast, you can listen to the podcast, okay? Proverbs 13, verse 1. A wise son heeds, listens, pays attention to his father's instruction or his father's correction. But a scoffer, a mocker, does not listen to rebuke. So now, guess what he's just done? He's thrown the ball into all our children's court. If you're in here today and you still live under your parents' roof, you're either going to fall into one of the two of these categories right here. Same chapter, verse number 24. He who spares his rod, the rod of correction or the rod of discipline, hates his son. Now, that's an incredible statement that we find in the Word of God. That when I don't discipline my children, it's a form of hatred toward them. Watch what he goes on to say. But he who loves him, disciplines him promptly, quickly. One translation says early. So the guidelines for administering discipline here, he says, number one, promptly. Why do we discipline promptly? Because it's to teach the children how to connect the punishment with their inappropriate behavior. This is what you did wrong. The second area we teach them is without anger. So again, this morning you're going to hear stuff that may come across like child abuse. No way the Bible is talking about child abuse, okay? I'm not talking about child abuse. Remember the Word of God says, He who God loves, He'll correct. The third area is this, where there is still hope. And the reason it says where there's hope, it's dealing with children while they are young and still responsive. So we are to deal with their attitude and their behaviors. I don't know if you've ever seen this before. But I've seen grown men who still have foolishness in their heart. Have you ever seen that? It, it, it's, it's very sad to see an older person still operating in foolishness. So you know what it tells me? That he didn't have a parent that took the time to discipline him properly. Proverbs 15. Now listen, you grandparents, you're going to have to shout today, okay? You're going to have to help me. Proverbs 15, verse 5. A fool despises his father's instruction. Do you know what the guideline for a father? Instruct. But he who receives or learns correction is prudent or has good sense and is wise. Pretty good one. 
Proverbs chapter 19. Aren't you glad God put this in the Bible? Proverbs 19, verse 18. Chasten or discipline your son while there is hope. And do not set your heart on his destruction or his ruin. Wow. Proverbs 19, verse 26. He who mistreats his father and chase away his mother is a son who causes shame and brings reproach. The word reproach there means embarrassment or public disgrace. Proverbs 20, verse 11. Even a child is known by his deeds or his actions, whether what he does is pure and right. He'll be distinguished or known by what he does, whether it's wrong or right. His conduct. Every one of us in here has probably witnessed this before. You'll know a child by his actions or his deeds. How many of you ever witnessed stuff at Walmart? I've witnessed crazy stuff with children at Walmart. This happened not long ago. I thought, I thought a child was about to die, the scream, the shrieks that he was letting out. And I saw employees of Walmart running to an aisle. And you know what they saw? They saw a little five-year-old basically breakdancing with a fit, screaming at the top of his lungs. And the little mama was saying, now you quit that or you're going to get in trouble when we get home. Have you ever tried to reason with a five-year-old? Don't. How about this one? If you don't quit, do you want a spanking? In that statement, never one time have I heard a child say, Yes, mommy, I want a spanking. Never once. And so again, we begin to see how this verse plays out right here. Proverbs 20, verse 20. Woo, this is a good one. Whoever curses or insults his father or mother, his lamp will be put out in deep darkness. Whoever talks trash about their mother and father. These these scriptures are very precise. Proverbs 22, verse 15. Oh, wait a second, I hear pages turning. It's a wonderful sight in in, in the years of God. Proverbs 22, verse 15. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Not just the selected few. So literally what this word tells me, that every child has foolishness that's bound up in him. Regardless of gender. Regardless of it's a little boy or a little girl. So when you see a child acting foolish, that's what's on the inside of them. Because the Bible just said that. Foolishness is in the heart of every child. Their heart is filled with it. So again, I can't make excuses for them. I can't overlook the foolishness in them. So when you see a child acting foolish, they're just doing what a child is inside them. 
Willie's tired. Willie's hungry. See, it's an excuse that we overlook the foolishness on the inside of them. So let me give you a little illustration that would help you. Just think as long as that child goes through life and every time something goes wrong in his life, someone makes the excuse and says he's tired or he's hungry. So now, Felix, and Felix is on the front row here, so I get to use Felix. Felix in trouble. And Felix goes to court because he's broken the law. And the judge looks at him and says, Tell me, Felix, why did you do that? And he said, Your Honor, I was tired. The judge would look at the jury panel and say, Felix is 44, but he was tired. Or, I was hungry. See, again, when we begin to make excuses for the foolishness, then we're setting a child up. Now, look what he goes on to say. But the rod of correction, the rod of discipline, will drive it, the foolishness, far from him. Now, when I read that verse right there, the only thing that he says that will drive foolishness from the heart of a child is the rod of correction. He didn't say reason with them. Now, in our society right now, we've evolved past the Bible. We've progressed past the Bible. So when we begin to say, you know what? You're not really talking about discipline a child with the rod of correction, are you? So when we choose to believe that way, you know what we've said to God? You're stupid. You don't know what you're talking about. Child psychiatrist says, don't do that. But the Word of God says the only way that ends is, now again, I'm not saying capital punishment. I'm not saying child abuse. Whom God loves, He corrects. So, I love them. I do it out of the motive of love. Now, how many of you in here have ever been disciplined with the rod of correction? Look at all the hands growing up. You know why I wanted to do that? Because you didn't die. You're still here. Now, it became a great deterrent in my life when I knew that there would become consequences from my actions from my father when I got home. Now, I can say this in my life now. There was a time I went to my own father and I said to him, Dad, I appreciate you disciplining me when I was a child. Now, when you're going through it, oh my gosh, it's not good. But yet, it became a deterrent. I'm old enough to know what school, when you got in trouble... You know what they did? They said, put your hands on the desk and look up in that corner and don't move. And they would lift your little bottom right off the ground. And they would hit you so hard you would see the dust fly out of your pants. And you know what happened? It would straighten me up for another day. Why? Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. This is the word of God, okay? This isn't us saying, Pastor, I didn't write this. I'm not smart enough to write it. This is the word of God. Proverbs 23, verse 13. Woo, watch this. These, these passages are strong. Do not withhold correction from a child. For if you beat him with the rod, he will not die. The message says, spanking won't kill him. You shall beat his little biscuits with the rod... 
and you will deliver his soul from hell. He didn't say biscuits. That's the Stormy Swan paraphrased edition, okay? Now, again, I'm not saying you do this out of a motive of anger. It's you look at him and say, this is what you did wrong. And the reason you did this wrong, this is what's going to happen to you. And it's done out of a motive of love. And it's interesting, he says that you deliver their soul from hell. So what he's literally talking about here is that we begin to gravitate towards sin. If it's not dealt with. Thank you. Proverbs 29, verse 15. The rod and rebuke give wisdom. It imparts wisdom. But a child left to himself will bring shame to his mother. Literally stated, a child who gets his own way will bring shame. Verse 17. Correct your son and he will give you rest. Yes, he will give delight to your soul. So again, when I read this, the Bible's very clear. It tells us what we begin to do. Now, I'm going to have you turn to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 21. Deuteronomy 21. And as you're turning there, when it talks about children, honor and obey your mother and father, God was very clear on this one. He was very precise on this one. He was so clear and precise that he put it in his top ten. In Exodus 20, 12, it specifically says, Children, honor your mother and father, and the promise is long life. Treat them with due respect. Regard them as, as precious, your mother and father. Now, in order to do that, that means I can't disgrace them, and I can't degrade my parents. Whether that's face-to-face, whether that's online, whether that's behind their back, because right now, We live in a society that applauds trashing the mother and father. It's almost viewed as cool. Way to go. You put your mom and dad into place. You may get the approval of your friends and your peers, but God frowns on it. And God sees it. And there's a promise in Exodus 20 That when you obey your mother and father, he said, it'll be long life with you. And so when you don't, and that's a choice, you're forfeiting a blessing. Actually, in Deuteronomy 27, it talks about a self-imposed curse that comes upon you. Now, we start here in Deuteronomy 21. I came across this just recently. And it was cross-referenced from Exodus 20, verse 12, okay? This is how the Word of God goes back and forth. This is Deuteronomy 21, verse 18. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son, and look how he defines stubborn, rebellious, who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and when they have chastened him or disciplined him, he will not heed them. So now we have parents that have tried to discipline them, correct them. But when the child doesn't heed it, pay close attention what begins to happen. Then his father and his mother shall take hold of him 
They will bring him out to the elders of the city, to the gate of the city. And they shall say to the elders of this city, The son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. So now my inquiring mind begins to look at this. He said he's rebellious and he wouldn't obey their voice. But now he throws in two more words. He said he's glutton and a drunkard. So now I got to begin to dig and say, what was he talking about? The glutton. Well, the glutton signifies a person who has no self-control or self-constraint. None. So in other words, I'm going to do whatever I want, whenever I want, and I don't care who tells me that. Now, if you're in that situation right now, man, I'd repent. But what about the drunkard? So I look at it and it begins to have two meanings. Number one with the drunkard is if you've ever been drunk and if you haven't, bless you. Stay that way. Because when people get drunk, they, they put on a robe of stupidity. And so anytime a person gets drunk, it alters their personality, it alters their character, and it alters their moral convictions. If any of you have ever been drunk, Say amen to that. Pastor says amen. That was before Jesus. I was a slobbering, stupid drunk too, okay? But the second area is the, the gravity of sin. In order for him to get drunk, he's got to be able to purchase alcohol. And to order to purchase alcohol, it literally stated this, that he becomes a thief. He degenerates. He begins to go in a way that he shouldn't. So now think about this. Remember, there are arrows. Which way are you pointing them? Verse 21. Then all the men of this city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall put away the evil from among you, and all Israel shall hear and fear. Now, when I study this in, in Jewish customs here, there's no reference of this ever happening. So what was the point of this verse? The point of this verse is not to allow disobedience or rebellion to be tolerated or to go unchecked. In other words, there needs to be severe consequences. And what it ultimately leads up, that a child that begins to go down this road is that of a, of a glutton and a drunkard will ultimately commit a criminal offense. A capital offense. You know what he just told us? It begins to show us the progression right here of what's going on. So now we go back. Man, he loves his children will discipline. Now for the next few minutes, I want you to go to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Again, right now in my life, I don't have children at home. My children are gone. I have grandchildren at home. Not my home, but I have grandchildren. Pastor, how do you react when you see your grandchildren get popped with the rod? Well, with my grandson, it doesn't bother me the least bit. My, grand, my granddaughter, I take it a little more. It's kind of a little tougher on me, but you know what I realize? Foolishness is in the heart of my grandchildren. 
And if the only way that foolishness goes out, then I say, hit them again, hit them again, harder. No, I don't say that. Again, sometimes we have the thought that our own family members are exempt from that. That's why I believe it's important, grandparents, that we tell our, our children, train them up in the way they should go. Train them. Be biblical. Let's be biblical. God's the one who's one of the most incredible. This passage in Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 4, this is one of the most incredible passages to the structure of the home in the whole Bible. Because it will deal with the children or the students. And it will also deal with us as parents. Ephesians 6 verse 1. And I'm in Galatians. Ephesians 6 verse number 1. It says, children, children, obey your parents. Obey is in my actions. Better stated, Do what you're told to do. Children, obey your parents. If you're living under your parents' roof, you are still to obey. Even when you're 18 and you know everything. Not. Children, obey your parents. In the Lord. What that says there in the Lord as God's representatives of authority in your life. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. This is right. Honor your father and mother. And when you see the word honor there, that means to esteem them, to value them. Obedience is in my action. Honor is in my attitude and my actions, even my, my behaviors. So when your mama tells you to take out the trash, you may obey it, but if you roll your eyes or you, you've dishonored them. I'll obey them as long as I'm under their roof, but I honor them for life. Honor never leaves. My father's 81. I will honor him. Again, it's a little difference in obeying because I don't live under his roof anymore. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. A commandment with promise, a commandment with reward. So if you're a young one and you're living at home right now, and you choose to honor and obey your mother and father, you're, good, you're going against the flow with the rest of society, almost the majority of society. Because they don't want to do that. So when they ask you, why do you want to honor and obey your mother? Why are you doing that? Because you know there's a promise. That if I honor and obey my mother and father, there's the promise. What is the promise? Verse 3, that it may be well with you in every venue of your life and you'll live long on the earth. So guess what happens? Every time you honor and obey mom and dad, woo, things are going well with you. Things are going well. They're going well. They're going well in school. They're going well in sports. They're actually going well in the area of your future spouse. Now that's a, that's a terrible thought for you, some of you parents. 
But I'm just telling you, that day will come. And it's long life on this earth. And so you may have young ones that will look at you and say, why are you obeying? Why are you honoring? Are you wanting to be a nun? No. Because there's a blessing attached to it. There's a reward attached to it. Now we go back to this thought again. God's way is perfect and His word is proven. So do I embrace the word of God? See, this goes to every one of you in here as as children. And I'm using the word children. I know most of you in here are between 12 and 18. But if you're in that age group, guess what? You have the opportunity to honor and obey every day. What if I hadn't done a good job? Thank God we can repent. We can repent. You know, there was a time in my life, I I told my mom and dad, I'm sorry for all the pain I put you through. I'm sorry for all the hell I put you through. Because growing up, before I knew the Lord, I was a rebellious soul. I was a wild child. Thank God, thank God, my father kept disciplining us. And if that's you today, man, you go back and repent. And I encourage some of you to tell your parents, thank you for disciplining me. Thank you. Now watch this, verse 4. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. The word provoke right there means do not exasperate. Do not make them bitter. Do not be resent, make them resentful. So again, he said to wrath, don't do things to make him angry. And and some of the ways we do that is when we demean him. When when we speak harshly to him. When we publicly humiliate him. So now there's a charge for the parents. This is what you got to do. And he goes on to say, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. So think about this. How does God deal with me? Who he loves, he corrects. But God corrects me in a loving way, doesn't he? He gives me the opportunity to repent. You know, the number one reason children fail is because words that have been spoken to them. Let me give you some illustrations. You're stupid. You're a loser. You're a failure. You'll never amount to anything. You're just like your mother. See, again, when we begin to state those things, we begin to set a course in their life instead of saying, I want to put affirmations on you. I want to speak acceptance on you. I want to speak blessings on you. So here's what we do. We deal with the behavior, but we speak over their character. And anytime we get it backwards and we attack their character rather than dealing with their behavior, we damage them. So when I discipline them, this is the way it looks. The reason daddy's disciplining you is because daddy loves you. And I know you're a good boy and I know you're a good girl and you make good choices. And see, that's exactly how Father God would deal with each one of us. God loves us. I've never had the thought that God looks at me and says, I'd like to swat you like a, a, a West Texas fly swatter and a fly. Just, I've never sensed God be that way. Because you know what? He's not that way. I've never sensed that God wants to tee me up and my face is on the face of that golf ball. 
See, God doesn't do that. So again, when we take on God's nature and his ability, we begin to say, my motive for discipline you is that out of love. I love you. I don't want to see you act that way. I don't want to see you get in that, 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 those circumstances that get you in trouble. Now what's interesting here is this last part, he says, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. It's cross-referenced in the book of Genesis. Chapter 18. Again, sometimes you get a, you get a strong personality child. And you get one that's really mild-tempered. How many of you ever had a wild child or a, a strong-willed child? Again, that doesn't mean they're bad children. It just means more work. And it may be that God gave them to you because you sowed all that junk growing up. See, I had one of each. And my wild, when she's in here right now, it was a girl. Raise your hand, Amanda. I should make her stand up. That's my daughter. A lot of you probably didn't know that. Ooh, she gave me and her mama the run for our money. But the rod worked. The consistency of the rod of God. The way God said it. Foolishness goes out and wisdom comes in. And I highlight that because... That foolishness, again, can fall to a boy or a girl. It doesn't matter. But again, it becomes the consistency of me as a parent. So when I go to Walmart and I see that little three-year-old break dancing on the floor and screaming, he's being foolish like the Bible says. You know what? I don't get upset with the child. I get upset with the parent. You know what I want to do? I want to boot him right in the rear and say, discipline him. Don't let him act that way. Discipline Thank you for that encouragement. This is written to Abraham. And listen, listen what the Lord says. Remember, Abraham was called a friend of God. That just didn't happen. It says, this is Genesis 18, 19. For I have known him in order that he may command his children... And his household after him. That they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice. He said, the reason I can trust Abraham is because he'll command his home to live for the things of God. And not only will he command them, he'll be the example. As for me and my house, my wife says, we're going to go to church today. Again, I believe God wants to raise the bar. God wants to raise the standard. And my job is to preach the word, to preach the truth to you again. So again today, again, this doesn't really pertain to me so what, that much. But you young generations, it does. And you're going to have an opportunity to walk it out and live it out. And guess what? Us older ones here, we're here to say, obey the word of God. Do the word of God. Teach your children. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.